And how are you doing this Monday? Are you well? It's miserable here in Salford. Light drizzle, all pervasive wherever you go. The sort of rain that soaks you wet through. It's been a miserable day. I'm in decent form, though. I've got two very good guests for you. Monday's programme, the 13th of December, 2021. Welcome to it. Welcome, I said. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. There is a terrific program on the iconic platform. It's every Friday at 7pm. It's right now and it's presented by Gareth Ike. Gareth, old friend of mine, will be on the program this hour. He's more than just the presenter of right now. He once played international beach soccer, would you believe? He was quite good at it, by all accounts. Uh, Gaz is on with me. Later on, Tony Gosling, not the BCFM politics show in Bristol, a very experienced broadcaster and journalist. It's uh, going to be an interesting programme. You can reach me through my website, richieallen.co.uk. Menu bar, comment live, leave a message. I'll read them out as we go along. Ah, shall we got soaked today? I did twice this morning, then this afternoon with the puppies. It's just the way it is. No point in whinging about it. If you have dogs in the northwest of England, you're going to get piddled on by Mother Nature at some stage or another. As I said earlier on, let me know how things are in, I said it a moment ago, in your world through the website. I'm going to start where? I'm not quite sure where I'm going to start. Because I've got so much to tell you in a half an hour. But let's start here. Apparently one person, one person has died of the Omicron variant here in the UK. What kind of fuckery is this? How did they know? One person dropped dead with the Omicron variant. This is according to UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson who delivered an extraordinary address to the nation last night, that Sunday night, about how serious things are getting with the Omicron variant. We'll hear from Johnson in a moment. The Health Secretary Sajid Javid warns that the variant is spreading at a rate that we've never seen before. That's a quote, never seen before. We'll hear from that Egypt. Heinz Bean for a head, we call him. That's his nickname. Heinz Bean for a head. Just look at him. Racist. I couldn't care less. In response, England and Scotland have set new targets to deliver the booster jabs. The English... The English... Well, they want to give all eligible adults a booster by the end of December. There will be a vote tomorrow on the government's plan B to deal with Omicron. Now, that vote tomorrow will be split into four different votes. Each measure in contained within plan B, each measure will be voted on separately. Like, for example, the vaccine passports, that will be voted on separately. Masks to be compulsory everywhere indoors will be voted on tomorrow. Don't get excited. There are 75 Tory rebels expected to metaphorically knife Johnson in the back and say, no, this is tyranny, but it won't matter because the Labour Party will support it. Keir Starmer will be responding to Boris Johnson's address from last evening 
at 7 o'clock this evening on BBC One. Wow. Here is Boris Johnson today with the dreadful news, the appalling news that somebody has died from Omicron. The best thing we can do to protect ourselves, protect our country and ensure that we have as normal a Christmas as possible is to get boosted now. And uh, it's just amazing to, to be here in this uh, vaccination centre in, in London, in, in Westminster, and see huge numbers of people listening to that message coming forward. And the way the NHS is responding is just inspiring. The, the GPs, uh, the, the volunteers, all the, the, the nurses and doctors uh, really, really pulling out all the stops. And we will ramp it up over the next few days because it, it is a huge, huge target that we've set ourselves. But the risk is plainly there. We can see Omicron spiking now in, in London and some other parts of the country. It, it, here in the capital, it probably represents about 40% of the cases. By tomorrow, it'll be the majority of the cases, and it's increasing the whole time. And uh, sadly, yes, uh, Omicron is producing hospitalizations, and uh, sadly, at least one patient has now uh, been confirmed to have died uh, with Omicron. So uh, I think the idea that this is somehow a milder version of the virus, I think that's something we need to set on one side and just recognise the sheer pace at which it accelerates through the population. The pace. The pace. Right. There were, there were bizarre scenes in Westminster this afternoon because the Health Secretary Sajid Javid and then his opposite number in the Labour Party, Wes Streeting, both of them went on the record to offer condolences to the family and friends of the Omicron victim. But they haven't named the Omicron victim. It's vaudevillian, I tells you, dear listener. It's just vaudevillian. Chuckled when I saw that. I'd like to extend our, our condolences to the friends and family of that person who allegedly died with Omicron. Here's Sky News. Political correspondent, the chief one, John Craig. Will Johnson be able to get every adult in the UK boosted by the end of December? The Prime Minister will be hoping it can. It's an ambitious target, certainly. Uh, the uh, deadline for uh, those uh, booster jabs has been brought forward from the end of January to the end of December. And you heard the Prime Minister there really stressing uh, uh, the uh, the importance of it. Uh, he was uh, trying to uh, dispel uh, those claims that say that it's not as deadly as previous variants, like the Delta one and so on. And obviously uh, the government is uh, as a real race against time now to get these jabs done. We have seen uh, today um, long queues. I mean, just across the uh, river from here, where I'm speaking in Westminster, uh, St Thomas's Hospital, great long queues round the block and even across Westminster Bridge. Um, and uh, the government was talking today about the large numbers, hundreds of thousands, who'd uh, booked uh, uh, jabs before 9am uh, this morning. So the, uh, the Prime Minister's uh, emergency TV broadcast, if you like, last night and other government ministers talking about this does seem to have certainly initially had uh, the effect the government wants, more people trying to get this jab. Yes, they've scared the bejesus out of the population again. Do you know how they plan on boosting every adult in the UK by the end of the year? Well, they're cancelling elective procedures, certain ones, non-essential treatments again, despite the fact that there are millions of people 
waiting for procedures that they should have had done last year that they're doing it again. So I don't jest. I'm not being flippant when I say granny. Those gallstones at yet they are still. You're in agony, are you? Kidney stones, eh? Can't have the operation. Grandad, you'll have to wait a bit longer for that hip. Here's an interesting exchange between Sajid Javid, the health secretary, and Skies K. Burley this morning. The question from Burley was, give us an idea of the impact the Omicron variant is having. How many people are in hospital and how many people are unwell? Here's Javid. In England, there's about 10 people that are confirmed in England with Omicron. 10. There are 10 people confirmed with Omicron in England. I don't know what the population of England is. I should do. The UK population is around 66.7 million or thereabouts. But uh, 10 people. How many are on ventilators? Good question, Kay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't have the answer to that question. Why not? Why? Uh, this is where Burley should annihilate this scumbag. She should take his head off. How dare you come into my studio announcing a raft of new draconian restrictions that are basically going to fuck everybody up and I ask you how many people have got Omicron in the country and you say 10. And then I think he meant... I think he meant 10 people are in hospital. I think that's what he meant to say. But he didn't. He said 10. I, I then asked you... Uh, Heinz Bean for a head... I then asked you, how many of them are on ventilators? How dare you not have that information? I don't know how ill they are in hospital. How many have died? Uh, At this point in time, I can't confirm a death. Yeah, but then Bojo did a bit later on, didn't he? But, but just, just can I say that with even with the you see what my, where I'm going with this? I, I absolutely do, and and the key point is that you first of all, if you remember, with uh, when COVID first came to our shores. Uh, it arrived in January of 2020. We didn't have our first death since until March, I believe. And the reason is because there's always a lag. There's but- always a lag. He goes on to say that, listen, might look okay now, but it's going to be terrible in the next few weeks, no matter what we do. Despite the fact that uh, Angelique Kutzia, I hope I pronounced that right. I should know how to pronounce it. Jerry Kutzia was a boxer. Angelique Kutzia the professor who discovered Omicron, she continues to tell UK media companies she doesn't understand why such a fuss is being made over this Omicron thing. She discovered it. It's no big deal, she continues to say. In fact, she was on Good Morning Britain this morning saying the very same thing. At the same time, Javid was speaking to Kay Burley about how dangerous Omicron is. Wow. going to play you something now that I think might blow your mind. Nikki Campbell works for the BBC. He presents a phone-in programme every weekday. Nicky Campbell, think Wheel of Fortune, think Top of the Pops in 1990. He's an insufferable gobsheen. But he has his phone-in, and this morning, listeners were ringing in to get advice from two people. A Dr. Rajiv Wadwa. He's a NHS GP. I think he's based in Leicester. So he's a GP, Rajiv Wadwa, and Professor David Mayle. David Mayle is a virologist at the Open University. I'm setting this up for you, okay? So you've got a doctor, you've got a scientist. The callers are ringing in, they're concerned about boosters, not in in a good way. They're not concerned that the boosters are not necessary. They're ringing up kind of complaining that they're not getting their boosters as quickly as they thought they would. Then a young woman called Hannah gets through. And this, dear listener, 
This borders on the criminal. Listen to this. Thank you, Nikki. Um, so there's just one major concern. I've had both vaccines, uh, which was the Pfizer vaccine. Um, Pfizer is an mRNA vaccine. Hannah has had two. With the second vaccine that I had, I had um, a slight problem with my heart, which then I sought uh, medical attention for, which was fine in the end. But it lasted for about two weeks. A heart problem that lasted for two weeks. Um, and what it was, it was a slight fluttering. And it happened straight after the visor, the second visor vaccine. Um, and like I say, for two weeks after that. I'm now pregnant. Um, well, congratulations. Pregnant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Shut up, Nikki, you dickhead. Um, five months pregnant, uh, obviously due to have my booster. And it's just something that's kind of... I guess it's something of a concern. Uh, I, I would hope it is a concern there, Hannah. Yeah, two Pfizer's, not Pfizer. It's not a Pfizer vaccine, Hannah. It's Pfizer. So you had your second one, and for about two weeks, you had heart palpitations. And you're wondering, should you have the booster? Are you blonde? Are you from Essex, Hannah? Um, because of what happened with the second. Um, I'm probably 90% sure I'll get the booster, but it's... What?! No. Really, it's just some advice, really, from, from your professionals. Lovely. So she's going to get some advice from two professionals, GP and scientist. To, to whether I should. It's what they're here for, doctor. It's what they're here for. Thank you. Wadwa, what would you say to her? Dr. Wadwa. No. Kind of a stupid name is Rajiv Wadwa. Um, really, it's, it's not nice uh, to be in that position. I would strongly suggest taking advice and then um, individual cases are individual and and they need to be looked at in their detail and then given advice about it so i would suggest okay. speak to your gp who would be the best person to guide you based on your history very good so dr rajiv wadwa of course he should say you shouldn't have a booster if you've had heart palpitations you should probably stay away from the jabs now so it's questionable whether rajiv wadwa should be reported for misconduct questionable i'm going to give him a pass so he says yeah talk to your own gp about it i'm not your doctor you know what can i do fair enough yeah sure i mean they didn't actually find any underlining problems of course they didn't <laughs> um I, to be honest with you it didn't it just kind of got passed off um whether it was a coincidence at the time but i i do think it was down to that because it was literally the day after of having the vaccine it was the vaccine hannah and like i say for two weeks after that um, so it's just, yeah, it's just a bit of a concern. So I'll, I'll give my GP a call then before I before I book it. I suppose the thing is that you'll be thinking, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm bursting in ahead of the doctor. I was Professor David Mayle from the Open University. That was him trying to interject. He should really keep his mouth shut. What he does next, well, some, just listen. Just let me go on, Rajiv. No, I was saying that would be best. I think everybody is an individual. It depends a lot on their previous history, what problems sure. they have. And, and I think individual advice, personalised advice is the best course. Yeah, okay. and I guess, Hannah, as well, you'll be making this calibration. People are saying it's, it's mild and the, the problem with it is it the infectivity rather than the severity and you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe just, you know, take a risk on it if it's like a bad cold. I think I think what, what concerns me is that, as we all know, the vaccine is still very new. Um, and if it's something relating to my heart, could it be that, that, that there could be a heart defect with the baby later on? And this is something that we find out years later down the line. What a question that is. 
I'm concerned about it. I had palpitations for two weeks after my second dose. I'm worried about it. Should I have it? Dr. One says, go and speak to your own GP. She then goes on to drop this bombshell. She said, quite rightly said that we don't know enough about this. It's new. We don't know about the effects of it later on. I wonder, could it do some damage to my baby, she says. Yeah. And then the scientist jumps in, the other guy, whose name is David May. Come in here. Yeah, sure. This is astonishing. Please. Yeah, my, my daughter is a reproductive immunologist at Imperial College, Victoria, Maryland. Uh, she you must be very proud. She will give lots of advice on this, but uh, for anybody who's pregnant, she strongly advises that um, you, you take the vaccine and you get um, a subsequent uh, booster because... Um, Getting seriously ill with uh, coronavirus, especially in late pregnancy, is um, yeah. not at all a good thing to have. And I think the possibility that you're raising that something might affect the heart of uh, your, your child later on, I think this is just such a vanishingly remote possibility that I personally don't think you should concern about it. Wow. Sure. Okay, that's that. great. Mm. And everyone's agreeing we have consensus amongst the medics. We don't have consensus amongst the medics. The GP wouldn't encourage her to have the job. He suggested she goes and speaks to her own doctor. The scientist, if that's what he is from the Open University, is uh, telling a woman on national radio who has said that she has had a heart condition generated by the second dose of a Pfizer vaccine this guy is saying, well, I've got a daughter at some university somewhere. Reproductive studies or whatever. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Vanishingly thin, the, the prospects of something happening to the baby. Go ahead and have the vaccine. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? If I can uh, bracket immunologists <laughs> could I, could and GPs together. Add Please to add something. Yes, add, sure. add anything. Yeah. Uh, we keep saying it's a new vaccine. Uh, let's not forget that just in the UK, we have given 100 million vaccines. They love this bullshit, don't they? Don't say it's new. We've given 100 million, million vaccines. Yes, they have, Dr. Rajiv Wadwa with the ludicrous name. There's some proper racism for you today, if you want racism. Of course, I don't mean it. Um, they have given 100 million vaccines and they have done those vaccines... The vaccines that have been given out in this country have caused, have led to the deaths of thousands of people in this country. Thousands that we know of. Don't expect Nicky Campbell to jump in and say, well, what about the data on the government, the UK government website, the data purporting to the yellow card reporting scheme? There's some data on there that suggests that these jabs are, are not as harmless as you would like to make out. No chance. It just it absolutely blew my mind. I heard that this morning. I was running down Liverpool Street, getting towards Regent Road near near Manchester, and I'm listening to this, uh, and I'm like, I can't believe this. This woman has said I've had a reaction after the second jab. Your heart, it doesn't get much more serious. The guy says, ah, don't worry about yourself. Don't worry about your baby. It's 19 minutes past the hour. Interesting exchange on the programme that preceded that preceded Nicky Campbell's programme. It's Five Live Breakfast. That's breakfast. It's presented by Rachel Burden and Rick Edwards. They spoke, or Burden spoke, to Marcus Fish. He's an MP. He's the Yeovil MP, or one of the MPs from Yeovil. He's a Tory 
conservative. He's on the same side as Boris Johnson, but he will not vote with the government tomorrow and give his vote to Plan B. This guy is completely against it. As I said, his exchange with Rachel Burden was very interesting earlier today. Strictly uh, speaking, for longer. just yeah. to be clear for our audience, they're not vaccine passports, are they? Because you can show proof of a negative test as well. No, so, they are vaccine. This is a vaccine passport, 100%. Why? Um, because it's an app on your phone that's a surveillance app. And that's why I'm against it. I think but, it's but, absolutely But you can also use a negative lateral flow test if you choose not yeah, to have no, a vaccine. Sure. And I think it would be a much better thing. If you wanted an effective measure, I'm very much in favour of lateral flow testing. I was one of the ones really pushing for that. Uh, because if you regularly lateral flow test, then you should pick up most of the really, really infectious cases that are capable of being super spreaders. Um, and that that would be a much more effective way of trying to uh, well, protect But that is what the government is saying we're, here. We're, so this is, where, this is where I'm a bit confused because the vast majority of people who are vaccinated feel that their freedoms are being impinged by others who are able to walk around and potentially be infectious and not have to demonstrate that they're not. So if you're talking about freedoms and liberties, it's the liberty to go into a pub and know that the chances of not being infected are greatly diminished because either you've shown your vaccine uh, certification or you've shown proof of a negative LFT. What is no, the problem? We, we, we live in a free society in this country and what you've just said is exactly what we must fight against. This idea that but, there but, should but be... But freedom papers, not to be infected. Papers, what about that freedom? Papers, please, a papers, please society is an authoritarian state that we should all absolutely resist. But I'll say it again. Just can you answer this for me? What about the freedom not to be infected? Yes. Look, um, we are very well vaccinated in this country. It's been a great success. People have the freedom to do what they want with their own bodies and the freedom of association. And if you want to undo those things, you're not worthy of working for the BBC, in my opinion. Wow. Well, well, that's quite a personal statement to make. I suppose yes, what I'm is. doing is putting across the case that many of our listeners have. They don't want to go into a pub or a restaurant, a lot of them, if they don't feel safe and secure. So well, if you're talking go. about the safety... Of don't go then. You don't, you don't tell other people what they should do with their bodies. Sorry, don't mm. do it. No, I, I, but the point I'm making is you're not telling someone what to do with their body other than yes, to show are. they've taken a test. I don't... Well, both of those things, you are segregating society based on um, an unacceptable thing. You, we are not a papers please society. This is not Nazi Germany. Marcus Fish from Yeovil speaking with Rachel Burden on BBC Radio 5 Live this morning. You're with the Richie Allen Radio Show, live from Salford, BBG Towers, with you till 7 o'clock. Gareth Ike will join me momentarily. A little bit later on, Tony Gosling from Bristol. You don't want to miss either of those guests. As I mentioned, comment on the programme through the website richieallen.co.uk. I don't have to tell you, menu bar, you will see it there. Angela says, am I missing something? Why are people having the jabs if not to protect themselves from infection? It's a great question, Angela. It's a great question. It should be keeping the jabbed. It should be keeping the jabbed up nights. They should be wondering, what did I do that to myself for? Why did I take their medicine when they tell me that it doesn't work? 
is that it won't prevent me from becoming infected and it won't prevent me from passing it on, whatever it is. The selling point is, well, if you are jabbed, you, you might still become ill, but you won't be as ill. It is poppycock. There's a great word. It is horse manure. Rubbish. You know, this idea, I've had me jab, you have to have it too. Why? To protect me. But you had the jab. Yeah, but it doesn't work. Well, I'm not going to have it then, if it doesn't work. If it didn't work for you, I'm not going to have it. I'll take my chances with my immune system. And I won't take any jabs from the idiots that developed pandemics, which gave people narcolepsy, you absolute fucking goon. Do you understand that? Do you, can you get that through your thick skull? The same goons asking you to take these experimental, unlicensed crap syringes are the same goons who said take pandemics. It's wonderful. We tested it. It's fine. We've got the paperwork here. Next thing. People falling asleep at the wheels of their cars. So no thanks. I think I'll take a pass on the so-called vaccines. Myself. No matter what they do. No matter how much they threaten. How much they coerce. No chance. I would rather die. And unlike a lot of people, maybe I shouldn't say that, because there, there is a lot of tough talk on the internet. People acting all big and bad. I wonder what they'll be like when it really comes to it. I can tell you, I'll die before they stick that shit in me. I'm making arrangements for it. I'm not joking. You know, I'm not saying it's going to happen next year or the year after, but eventually it's coming to us. That um, brings us to 25 and a half minutes past the hour. Shall I take a tune let's have a tune then uh yes a tune it is cross my aching arms gareth ike and action over hope on monday's richie allen radio show 29 and a half minutes past the hour he's standing by there's just a Tiny connectivity issue will sort it as quick as you can say Bob's your uncle. Hopefully we'll get it sorted. In fact, sometimes this happens. I might just wait and get him to give me a call back. It's funny how these things work, eh? Uh, Yeah, okay. Let me just send a quick message there. And off we go. As I said, I'd like to read your comments throughout the programme. So do send me a message. It's richieallen.co.uk, top of the page, I know I repeat that quite a lot, but I, I feel like I have to. Okay, people joining all the time. Uh, Jean Ann tells me that Hugh Grant has gone after Boris Johnson on Twitter. Now, I'm not on Twitter, having been booted off it earlier this year, but I am able to still, I'm, I'm still able to, to see what others are tweeting. And I do lo- jump on there from time to time, but I didn't see that. But apparently Hugh Grant went for, went for, uh, Boris Johnson on Twitter today. Yes, okay. Let's try Gaz again. Let's hope we get that. We 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 sorted it. We sorted out. Tony Gosling here too. Lots happening. This week and next week. I'll tell you more about next week a bit later on. Uh, Christmas week, isn't it? Next week. It is Christmas week already. Okay, there's an issue with Gaz. I might have to go the old mobile phone way. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to go the old mobile phone way. <laughs> All right. I should look, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men and all of that. Uh, Okay, uh, here's a tune. Don't know what I've got lined up, so you'll just have to take it, whatever it is. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the programme. He is the presenter of Right Now, which airs every Friday at 7pm UK time on the iconic platform. That's I-C-K-O-N-I-C. He's a terrifically talented singer-songwriter, a former international beach soccer superstar, and he's a dear old pal of mine. It's always great to chat with Gareth Ike. Welcome back, Gaz. How you doing, Richie? I'm all right, pal. It's uh, chaos in your house. I've been, uh, I, I was doing the voyeuristic thing, looking at your tweets. Coming up to Christmas, with three women, two very young women. It's, uh, it's all fun and games, I'd imagine. It's carnage, mate. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm out. I'm out of the game three to one now in my house. So, um, yeah, we've outgrown the house. We're trying to live in a in a, a two bedroom terrace with uh, four of us. So that's. Yeah, so less you're on, than ideal. So you're on. You're, so you're. So you're basically house hunting as well, as as. A... Well, yeah, but at the craziest time when everybody wants like a million pounds for a shed. Yeah. Um. So not the most ideal, but yeah, it'll be all right. I'll put, a, I'll put a marquee in the garden. Put a marquee in the garden. That's what I, that's what I like to get a caravan. That's right, the old-fashioned way. Um, great song, by the way. Um, I couldn't connect to you in time for 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 you to hear the end of it, so I could say great song. It's terrific. When did you record that? Um, but just before the the Rona, um, in the old world, the during the old normal, Richie, um, yeah, I just went up to a to a pals in Scotland and just recorded that um, along with a, another few other songs for an EP that I wanted to then kind of, you know, make an album and obviously then the world went mad and so it's kind of gone on the back burner a little bit. I'm I'm haven't really found time to pick up the guitar that much anymore, which is a bit sad, but. You know, life gets in the way, doesn't it, sometimes? It does. It's a great song. I'm not just saying that. I really like it. It's the first time I heard it was when, when you sent it to me. Obviously, it's timely as well. Lyrically, it's very timely. But also, musically, it's a bit of a departure for you, Gaz. A little bit of a it dance a beat different. to it. Yeah. yeah, a bit different. It's um, it's like my sort of midlife crisis. I went back to sort of <laughs> trying to be a bit more punk punk rock. Um, but yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, action over hope and just kind of then the world went mad. And um, and now I kind of look at it and I think, you know, I wonder if it's action over hope or whether inaction over hope, because if we'd kind of just basically non-complied with all this nonsense from the beginning, then it would have never had a chance to get off the ground, um, which is quite frustrating, really, when I think back to sort of three weeks to flatten the curve. If... Um, if people hadn't complied then, it you know we wouldn't be here now, would we? But, but no. there you go. It is what it is. It is what it is, but it's also, there is a bit of deja vu here. You're absolutely right. And I still despair that, that, that businesses did what they were told and basically committed financial suicide and shut their premises. It's still, I still struggle with that. I'm struggling with it even more now because it's on the verge of happening again. And it doesn't look like they've learned their lessons. Like, I would have imagined that now, when you get people like, people like Sasha Lord, who's a Northwest, kind of a Greater Manchester guy for pubs and clubs, he's a representative, or he's, yeah, a representative, spokesperson, you could say. Now I would have imagined that they would be screaming on telly when they get the chance, no, never again, this is not happening. But they're not doing that, guys. They'll obey yeah. again, I reckon. Yeah, it certainly feels that way, doesn't it? Um, I mean, it's an interesting time, I think, Richie, because like, I'm watching this now, you know, like this guy's apparently died today yeah. with something. And it's like, you want to say to people, dying of something and dying after testing positive to, with something are not the same thing, even closely. Um, and so they're just ramping it up in the same way they did last year. It's just like like 
2021 is just like the really bad Netflix sequel yeah. to 2020, really, because they did the same thing at Christmas last year, didn't they? Um, and you can just see, they, they've obviously just looked at it and gone, do you know what, it worked. It worked. If it's not broke, don't fix it. We'll just do the same thing over again. We'll just give it a different name. Um, it was the Indian variant last year when it that, that they tried to use to ruin Christmas. So yeah, they've just got you know a, a brand new one. It's just is. But what I am seeing though is is and it is encouraging me is people are angry now. Pe- people are, are a lot less sort of apathetic towards it. They're they're annoyed now because you know they they were told to get a couple and they got a couple and now they're told they need a third and if they don't have the third then they're not vaccinated and therefore you know they go back to the same compliance level as me which is hilarious really you shouldn't laugh but no that's um, very good stay with that i'm going to be yeah yeah, very good yeah and and people are angry and people are fed up and and you can just see how the mainstream media and and how the government and how you know their their celebrity bubbleheads on social media are kind kind of trying to tap into that anger and sort of almost you know sort of gooseneck it towards us basically as it's you know i see you're angry but it's their fault those 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 dirty anti-vaxxers um and it's not working in the way that i think they, they thought it would um and so you know uh, for me i look at it and i think if, if it were me if i was like just this you know demon i wouldn't have admitted that i'd bought up uh boosters four and five before trying to get people to take the third one that that amused me that seemed folly if, if it was me, I'd go like, do you know what, actually, can we just keep that out of the press that we've bought up a job load of fourth and fifth this boosters? This is a very good we just point. just keep it quiet until everyone's got the thirds, but they haven't. And so I've got mates that are in that position. You know, they took two so they could go on holiday to wherever. They didn't get to go because the goalposts were moved. They're pretty cheesed off. And now they're told that if they don't have a third, then, you know, they go go back to, to the start, don't pass go. And... um. Has that changed their perception, uh, Gaz, of what has been been happening? Has that given them another view of what's been going on? You know, they did what they were told, and but but yet the goalposts keep moving. I, I would imagine for some of your, your your pals and your colleagues that had the two, that would they would begin to question that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's quite a lot of people who have gone from kind of oh. God, Ike's off on one again. Yeah. So, oh, maybe he was right. Actually, maybe, yeah. Oh, that's this is this is awkward. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not just like you know your average Joe's on the street. It's also like I'm, I spoke to um, to a professor. Um, um, I'm, trying to remember, I'm from Princeton, and um, and he was saying that you know he's had his first two and whatever, and and he was like, Do you know what, I'm at a point now where actually there's no way that it, this can't be anything but nefarious what's happening now um because it's got to such a point that actually you know he would have at the beginning thought that we were mad and now it's actually getting to a point where no actually this that there is no other explanation you know that, that they've tried the kind of um you know boris is an idiot um sort of you know yeah. approach and you know biden's an idiot well then you go okay well then if, if it's down to incompetence then it's incompetence across the whole world because they're all following the same script they're all doing this different, the different the same thing um just at a different point you know and um and obviously the, the internet is um you know has it has a lot of faults but it, it also does allow a little bit of information to get out there so you know, I've seen a couple of people sharing things where they're looking at Israel and they're saying, you know, that the Israel prime minister is um, is uh, Bennett is saying that, you know, there's a, a load of people have died of, of this new variant in the UK. And, it's, and they're obviously going, well, they haven't. So why are these governments lying? You know, if I've got the facts, 
that I know, you know, how many people are dying or whatever, you know, with rather than of, of course. But if I've got the facts and I work, uh, you know, uh, Thornton's chocolate shop, then how the hell do these presidents and Absolutely. prime ministers not have the facts? That's yeah. very good that, you know, it's funny that because on BBC Radio 4 this morning and Radio 5 as part of my job, I listen to, to those shows, not just at the BBC, but other shows. There were a number of UK government ministers, there were a number of scientists making out that things are pretty desperate in South Africa at the moment with this obviously fraudulent Omicron variant. It's amazing he said that about Bennett in Israel, claiming that it's bad here. And would you believe it, not long after they made these claims about South Africa, the woman who discovered this thing, allegedly, Angelique Kutsia, Professor Angelique Kutsia, she was on Good Morning Britain and, and said, I don't know what the problem is with this Omicron thing, it's not done any harm to anybody here in South Africa, really. Isn't that amazing? So they're, at, at different parts of the planet, they're doing that. They're telling lies about virus impacts in other parts of the world when, in fact, nothing of the sort is actually happening. This is, it's, yeah, it's if that's insane. not, yeah, if that isn't contrived, if, if that isn't part of some overarching scheme, well, what is then? Well, exactly. And it's exactly the same thing they did last year. Um, obviously, you know, when this Indian variant, before that was called racist and then it had to be yeah. called Delta, <laughs> when it was still Indian before it moved, um, yeah. they, you know, I remember the New York Post putting out this uh, this story um, and they had a, a video of these people dying in the street in, in India um, on their website. And nice. I was like, no, no, that was, that was from a gas leak in like 2015. And, you know, it does make me laugh because the fact checkers seem to, uh, they seem to have a day off or an afternoon off down the pub when um, when these people are saying lies like this. Um, and obviously we were told it was horrific in India. Oh my God, people are dying in the street. You know, oh my goodness me, it's coming here soon if you don't, you know, uh, lock up for Christmas. And obviously you spoke to Johan Tenger as well, didn't you? Well, you and, did. Um, you were the man. You found Johan, who's a lovely, lovely chap and a very good journalist in India. You found him and he told you what? Yeah, well, the thing was, like, he came Nonsense. on the show and obviously I, I was like, how is it in India? You know, because obviously we're seeing this, you know, and he's like, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> just like yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah just nothing's happening, and and you just like it's almost like they just have such little respect for the general public that they won't open their eyes and actually go. Well, uh, I can see nothing's happening. There's there's an Indian man who's telling me nothing's happening. Um, but then at the same time, I say that, and then I think, well, actually, after two years of this nonsense, when I still see how some people act. Yeah, you know, maybe these governments are right to think that we're all idiots. Because well, that's a good <laughs> a large, point now. That's a, a good point because because we we look at those fake stories about India and fake stories about South Africa. At the same time, for months and months now, well, for for eighteen months or, or two years, but but obviously very recently, you know, Omicron, you know, cases are going up and all of that. This is the thing that bugs me more than anything, and my, my listeners will groan, they'll yawn now. Why why are our neighbours incapable of just looking around and acknowledging that ambulances are not flying up and down the streets. They're not. I live within a stone's throw of Salford Royal, massive hospital up here. Um, they don't know anybody who's become seriously ill of COVID. They don't. You ask anybody, you might find one out of, out of, out of 50 if you're lucky. And yet it still doesn't seem, the penny doesn't seem to drop gas. You know, that no, we're not really it, in a pandemic. It, it, it is frustrating. The only people that seem to know um, lots of people that have died of COVID are um, pro-EU Labour voters. Yeah. They seem to know loads of people, um, which is very odd. When, whenever you see someone online going, I know loads of people, my auntie and all that sort of stuff, you just go, right, just click on your profile. Oh, yeah, there we go. There's the EU flag every time. It's another reason not to knock around with them. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is it is odd. But then at the same time, Richie, like, I'm I'm kind of seeing a lot because I'm I'm a bit sort of I'm a bit of a voyeur really when it comes to being in public. Like I don't I'm not one of those people that sort of barks at people in the shop or whatever or, or tries to initiate conversation. But occasionally I will you know just sort of just almost drop a little hand grenade in there of like it's weird, isn't it? World's gone a bit mad, isn't it? But not really say anything else, and then just let people talk, and then just kind of watch people's reactions. And more and more people are on the same page now, you know, with with the fact that it's just a monumental scam. It's a great approach, um, that your approach yeah, is brilliant, and, and that's yeah. encouraging. I mean, because the only thing, the thing that I'd like, I mean, what what we think in percentages wise, how many people got a vaccine and, and are getting a booster because they're scared of a virus? One percent, maybe the population, if that. Um, and then the rest are because I want my life back. Absolutely. Because I want to keep my job. Absolutely right. That is 100. I'm, I'm convinced of that as well. It's got nothing to do with fear of becoming unwell. It's, it's, it's fatigue. It's, it's, it's angst at living like this and not wanting to continue living like this. I think you're 100% right. And that's why I think yeah. there were queues around St. Thomas's Hospital this afternoon. They're not all crisis actors, despite what some of my listeners say. I, I believe it. I believe that after he went on television last night, Johnson, and warned about restrictions, I absolutely believe that that motivated people to say, I've had enough of this. Maybe this time he's telling the truth. Maybe this time, when I get this jab, um, it'll finally go away. But it won't, Gaz. It won't. No, of course not. It, it, yeah. it's, it's trying, you know, it's trying to appease Joseph Fritzl, thinking he will let you out the basement. It's yeah. not how it works, yeah. mate. It's not how it works. And, and the more you comply, the more he's going to keep you in the basement because he's getting what he wants from you. And that's exactly what's happening now. You know, the more people comply, the more people go along with it. Then that's great. Well, I'll keep doing it then because you're you're carrying on doing it. You're carrying on doing it, and I'll just keep pushing as far down the road of tyranny that I can until you resist. And if you're not resisting, then I'll keep pushing. I'll take another step, another step, another step. And if you think, you know, if you'd have said to people, if, you, if say we'd have done a show and we'd have had a chat, I don't know, say two and a half years ago, and I'd have said, like, Richie, this is what's going to happen. People would be, they, honestly, there'd be, be someone at the door with a straight jacket for me. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they would be arrows in supermarkets so you could walk around in a one-way system and that you would have to walk into a pub with a mask on and then sit down and take the mask off and chat. And then you have to put it back on again because you stand up and have a wee. You, you know, and, and you can't catch a virus if you have a scotch egg. People would just, <laughs> they, would, they, they would just literally go, do you know what? Get, get this guy sectioned. But uh, here we are. Yeah. You know, remember was, that last year, scotch egg gate, all of that crap. I remember it. I remember reporting on it. Gareth Hike is our guest. Do check out Iconic.com and the Right Now, it's called Right Now, the show. It's an excellent show. Every Friday at seven o'clock, Gaz interviews, sometimes four, sometimes five, sometimes six people. Really interesting people, qualified men and women, like the professor from Princeton. That's a fantastic catch. Well, well done. You know, the guy says I've had two jabs. I went along with it, but oh my God. You know, uh, that's a great catch by you. And while what, what I congratulate you and your team for, for doing that, I'm also thinking, you know, it's a tragedy that the, the chap isn't also speaking on BBC Radio 5 Live tomorrow morning because everybody well, should exactly. hear him. You know, you're doing incredibly yeah. well with the iconic platform. I know you're, I'm not in any way knocking you. It's fantastic. You know, great, great numbers there and, and great production values. But it's just a, a, a total tragedy. Speaking of iconic.com, um, Jackie Devoy is an old pal of both of ours from the TPV days in London. I'm very fond of Jackie. What a fantastic job you all did on the documentary A Good Death. My 
great friend Jean Ann Crowley, uh, Gaz, who's an incredibly accomplished actress. Major, uh, uh, major films, major uh, theatrical productions. She watched it and she said it was absolutely terrific. She said the restraint uh, shown by the filmmakers was absolutely spot on. That's praise indeed. Great work on that. The reaction has been, I would, I would say the reaction has been absolutely phenomenal, has it? Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, the guys did amazing on it. Um, but the thing is, I think it's it's because we're not mainstream and, 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 and you know, no one's trying to get headlines and clickbait and all that sort of stuff. There, there's no reason to try and sensationalize anything in, in the film because the, the facts are sensational enough. Um, and so, you know, obviously the guys could can let you know, people tell their stories without having to put any sort of, you know, nonsense on it, like, like a lot of, a lot of documentary and filmmakers do. So, um, it is heartbreaking though. And, and, and the, the, the sad thing is, is, you know, people talk about, um, obviously Matt Hancock, you know, procuring two years worth in the Daz lab in March, 2020 being used within months. Um, um, I, I now get emails and messages from people quite a lot, you know, doctors, nurses, um, police officers, um, care workers that kind of they're speaking out a bit um you know but they also you know they've got a mortgage to pay and kids to feed and stuff so it's difficult because they're trying to keep their jobs but they send stuff quite a lot and I, i've been having a few messages from people recently saying um within the care system that the use of midazolam is, is starting to go way up again um to the levels of kind of march april 2020 um so you can just see you know what they're going to do they, they're going to pull the same trick again probably over maybe maybe december maybe january and this whole omicron variant will be you know so deadly it's killing people in care homes and whatever and you know just like march and april 2020 when you get down to the crux of it it's uh it's an end of life drug rebranded as a virus you know yeah everybody should see the film um iconic.com check it out it's it's is is euthanasia the the film asks the question are people being euthanized in UK hospitals and in care facilities, um, because there's because there is evidence that this might very well be happening, and um, Jackie spoke to Gaz months ago, came on this program as well, and brought families uh, to to our programs to say that they believe that their you know family members, their their mums, dads, grands, granddads who who should have left hospital, you know, under their own steam, were were all of a sudden struggling very badly, and they were being given a cocktail of midazolam which is a drug that people shouldn't get. It's basically, it, it, it suppresses the respiratory system and morphine. And there yeah. is mounting evidence, I think. I, I think Jackie's done a brilliant job. The team, uh, I know Jamie had a lot to do with it, so congratulations to him as well uh, for that. There's mounting evidence that this is going on, that this is actually a thing. It's like something from a Robin Cook novel. Before our time, Robin Cook, uh, Gaz, uh, she wrote the, the book, Coma, I think, which became a film with with Michael Douglas and uh, a Canadian actress, where people were being killed in hospitals. I, I mean, this is actually going on. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely absolutely going on. It's going on all over the world as well. With, with, it's not just with midazolam; it's, it's different drugs. Although, you know, midazolam seems to be the the drug of choice. Um, but you know, this is this is a drug that that was being given to to COVID patients. So if you, if you okay, I believe the narrative. I'm going to go along with all the narrative. Okay, so you so you've got a drug that was used on death row that killed um, you know criminals or possibly not criminals by suppressing their respiratory system, 
Um, and it was considered to be so barbaric because these people were basically gasping and, and basically drowning, essentially, in, in lung fluid. And so it was considered so barbaric that they stopped using it on death row. So it's no longer used. Yeah. Um, and so you've got a respiratory virus, which is attacking the respiratory system, attacking the lungs. And so you give people a drug that suppresses the res res uh, respiratory system. To make system. it more I difficult mean, for them to breathe. It's, yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, granted, I, I'm I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but maybe a doctor or scientist could come on and explain to me how the hell that's a good idea. You know, <sighs> it doesn't it, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it, it, it's, it's like, you know, someone's got a temperature, and you need to cool them down. So you stick them in a sauna. I mean, what the hell? It's re it's incredible. Jean Ann noticed watching the film that many of the interviewees remarked on how cold and distant the medical profession has become, she found that particularly chilling. You know, that yeah. and we, we heard these stories that they spoke on, on, on right now with you. I, I spoke to some of these people. God love them. And, and they said that the, the almost obtuse attitude of the staff to them when they raised any questions about how their uh, family members are being treated. Very good question from Isabel. Uh, you, you can comment on the website, richieallen.co.uk. It's a very good question, this. Richie, she says, while talking to Gaz about a good death, can you ask him if he came across that new pod invented for self-euthanasia and what he thought about it? Did you come across that, Gaz? I, um, I um, did come across it, and I think I wrote something about it last week. Did you see this thing? It looks like a coffin. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's been about for a while, though. Suicide sure. pod. Yeah, I think you yeah, might be right. Yeah, because when I saw that, I thought, well, I've seen that before. But that, but that's, you know, that's the, the the way that they want it to go, I'm sure, you know, that you would get to a certain age and once you're a useless eater, off you go. Yeah. We'll see you later. And, um, you know, that, that, will, that will probably be used under the guise of climate change at some point. You know, there's too many people on the earth. Um, you know, we're all killing it. And so, um, you know, we're going to have to pop our clogs at 50 and let the kids have a chance, you know. I mean, I'm sure that would sound absolutely ridiculous and fantastic to a lot of people, but give it five years and it will probably be, you know, a pretty normal statement to make. I had um, a dream, guys. This is no absolutely no word of a lie. I had a dream some weeks ago. I, I didn't mention it to anybody. I didn't, I didn't mention it on the show. I had a pretty vivid dream. And it, it was, I was involved somehow. I was in a room and... There was an, an elderly gentleman and somebody in a white coat was saying to the elderly gentleman, look, um, you know, just what you said there, we're, we're, we're struggling with this overpopulation. It, we, we can't stop the climate change. We can't stop the climate crisis. And the option is there for you. I think it was after I wrote that story. I wrote that story about the suicide pod on my website. And that's probably why I had the dream. And in the dream, somebody in a white coat was saying to the elderly gentleman, listen, uh, obviously we're not going to force you but look the option is there you've had a good run of it like you're 80 and you know you, you don't have any family the suicide pod is there for you if you want and again I probably had to dream because in my stupid article I wrote that before long they'll be just dropping these off in, in care homes just in case granny decides I've had enough kind of a thing so so, so yeah well, what you've said there that seems pretty logical to me in a few years time right we've gone past the point of no return there's nothing we can do now about this climate crisis we, we do have to think about you know, maybe having less of us on the planet. Uh, not necessarily to go out and to, to, to tell people we're going to do it, but they give people the option of it. Imagine that. Yeah, and get people at their lowest ebb. At their lowest ebb. People will take you up on it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, especially if you have people in pain and you're, you know, you're in control of whether they get the pain uh, medication or not. So 
you know and they say, i imagine uh, yeah it, it wouldn't take a lot for people in in so much discomfort to go do you know what i'm done well exactly and and they say it's euphoria don't they they say well it's 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 laughing gas effectively isn't it that's that's what's in this new pod you 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 get into it and you press a button and out comes the the I should know the chemical the, the chemical term for laughing gas, uh, but it's gone right out of my mind now for some bloody reason. But yeah, they press a button and this stuff comes in and you lose consciousness, but you're euphoric and you'll die. It takes about thirty seconds. It nitrogen. That's right. Nit nitrogen. That's right. Nitrogen. What's wrong with me? Um, yeah, these are the things that we're talking about. But it's funny you said some. I want to, to finish up with this. It's funny you said a few minutes back. If you'd have been on the program two years ago and said this was happening I I absolutely must be honest and agree with you and say I would have said give over Gaz you're, you're on one now you need to just relax a little bit but ultimately let's not forget that people like your father particularly people like your father uh, okay so so David didn't say right they're, they're going to stage a, a pandemic over a virus but that that's irrelevant he, he was saying and writing for years that um, compelling people to take medication that they neither want nor need and depriving them of their liberty if they refuse to go along with it. He's been saying this stuff for generations now, it feels like. Yeah. And here we are. Well, yeah, I mean, mandatory jabs are the, yeah. are the end goal, aren't they? You yeah. know, they're, they're, they're all part of it and they're all tied into your, into your social credit system. You know, the whole thing's been long planned. And when you look at everyone connected to it, you know, they're, they're all connected to each other. I mean, you know, if people go away and look at this young global leaders, the the, the Klaus Schwab organization that he started um, in about 2004, I think, you know, and, and up until 2005, they were running something called the 2020 initiative, which is very interesting given when COVID suddenly popped out. Now, you look at the people that that went through that group, you, you know, you're looking at your, you know, your Merkels and your Macrons um, and your, um, um, God, what's her face, the strange one, Skeletor in New Zealand. Oh yeah, um, Jacinda Ardern, yeah. Jacinda Ardern, yeah, she's come through it. But then you've, but then on the other end, you've, you've, you know, you've got Zuckerberg coming through it. You've got Bryn Page coming through it. You've got James Wales of um, Wikipedia fame coming through it. And 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 I saw um, the TV doctor who gets everything wrong, not Dr. Hillary, the other one, who's at um, Edinburgh University. Young lady, I want to say Ravi. Oh, she's her dreadful. Name. Her name is her name is Devi Shridhar. That's her name. Devi Shridhar. That's the one. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's she's um she's a, uh, come through Klaus Schwab's Young Glo Global Leaders just this year, and so you you know when people go oh they all got together they all connected it's like well they actually are all connected and and it's not just prime ministers it's it's also doctors it's also scientists it's also um, social media people uh, there's people from CNN from the BBC all these things have all come through it you know. And it's, it makes quite a list. And, I know. You know, I found pretty pretty early in this, really, that if you took a name, if someone comes out as a professor of whatever and they say something ridiculous, which, God, you know, that happens multiple times a day at the minute, if you put their name into Google and search their name, then World Economic Forum, and nothing comes up, then search Bill Gates. It'll be one or the other. And they will be connected, be writing articles for be funded by it's it's insane how much these people are connecting you try and say that to people and people are twigging a bit more but you still get that oh yeah i've had my jab and bill gates is is controlling my arm and you're like mate that's such bad pattern it's not even funny it's silly uh, and yeah. it's not even your gag either because i've seen it done multiple times on, on social media they're listening well, to james yeah. o'brien on lbc that's what they're doing repeating that garbage oh uh, guys i'm i'm uh i'm i'm thrilled that um 
well, I didn't. I don't don't have to be thrilled. It wasn't as if it it wasn't going to be the way. But iconic is looking terrific. The platform it's 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 doing great. It's it's great to be getting regular messages from my listeners. Did you see this on iconic? Did you see that? That's great. That that's great. Yeah. It really is. That's great. Seven o'clock on Friday nights right now. It, lo- it looks fantastic. It looks like something you'd see on the BBC. Weren't you, me, your father and others saying this for years that the independent media has to mirror the production values of the mainstream media. You've got to look as slick as them to get the attention of people. Well, I tell you what, pal, you're doing some job there. Cheers, mate. I appreciate that, mate. But it's absolutely right. Yeah, that was the whole point of it was to... Was, you know, because if you're having people, you know, just say, like, look, listen to this. Like, I've seen it so many times. Oh, God, yeah, YouTube video of two people talking on Zoom. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but listen to what they're saying. What they're saying is amazing. But it's almost yeah. like, you 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 know, it's, it's kind of almost having to do the aeroplane to get some vegetables down a kid. But, yeah, you, yeah. you know, you have to a little bit, which is sad, but it is the way it is. So I don't know. Do you know what? I'm, I'm, for, the, for the first time today, I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think it is sad. I think it's it's right on. Look, you, you, your father worked for the BBC for, for years. You know, he'll tell you, it is absolutely right. You know, be slick and polished and professional with, you know, sexy jingles. And absolutely right, because it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's what's been proven traditionally to get the attention of viewers and to hold their attention. So, no, listen, it's, I, I think it's absolutely uh, terrific and, and more power to you and everybody else in Derby and elsewhere who contribute to and work with um, Iconic. All I can say to you now, pal, is Merry Christmas to you and your three ladies. Um, the little one's first Christmas, Gaz. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. She's, a, she's, a, she's a different kettle of fish than Law. She's a lot more chilled. Is she? Um, yeah, so our first Christmas with Law was like someone had just chucked a hand grenade in a room. <laughs> but um, So it might be a bit more chilled this year. Did um, I ask you this before? Yeah, Tell I'm me really this. To it. I can only imagine you are. I, 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 sorry for jump, jumping in there. I wanted to ask you. I, I, we haven't been lucky enough. I, I don't know if there's still time. If there is, please God. We, we'll, we, we'll have the experience. But if not, we'll have to live with it. What does it do to you as a bloke? Forget obviously Gemma carrying the child and all that you know the folklore that goes with all of that and I understand it what does it do to you how have you changed as a person being the dad uh, I don't matter anymore <laughs> right basically as simple as that yeah and I remember someone saying that to me was like that you won't matter anymore and I was like oh okay cool alright to and yourself you mean throwaway line, but it's true like yeah. you know it gives you so much fight because I look at this you know you bring in vaccine pub. I don't go to gigs anyway anymore I don't go to pubs I don't go to the football anymore but I'm like, you know, so it's, but it's not about me. It's about my kids and it's about the world that I want them to be able to live in and I want them to experience freedom. And if we let these, you know, bastards get away with this, then they'll, you know, my kids are proper young, you know, they'll never experience freedom. They don't even know what it is. Um, and I'm not having that. And so it kind of just gives you, well, it has at least with me, that, that almost fire in my belly now to just be unwavering, you know, like... You won't co- coerce me into doing anything. In fact, the more you tell me to buy a car, um, then I'm, you know, if you, that's what I look at with this whole nonsense. You know, if, you, if you, you're going to a, a car dealership and the guy's saying, just buy it. Well, no, I mean, I didn't want to buy your car anyway, but I'm definitely not buying your car now. Yeah. And so, you know, that's how I am with, 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 you know, any of this compliance. Like the more you try and pressure me and force stuff onto me and force stuff onto my kids, then the, the more I'm going to bite back at you, you know. Do you know what I'm going to play now? Jura? Of course I am. <laughs> I haven't played it for ages. I haven't played it for ages on, on the show. 
Um, so I am going to play it. Uh, mate, it's great to have you back on the programme. As I said already, continued success to uh, everybody at Iconic. And Merry Christmas, Gaz, and I look forward to speaking with you in the new year. Yeah, definitely. Cheers, Richie. Merry Christmas, mate, and Merry Christmas to everyone listening. Fantastic, Gaz. Thank you. Yeah, fantastic guy, Gareth Ike. It's Iconic.com, I-C-K-O-N-I-C.com. Check it out today. This is some tune, this. This is Jura back with more in about four minutes' time. Thank you for choosing The Richie Allen Show. The Richie Allen Show relies on your support. Visit richieallen.co.uk and make a financial contribution today. Lots of comments, by the way. Thank you for them. Fanula Murphy, how you doing, Fanula? She's in North Kildare. She says, Richie, tell Gareth uh, that... That I, Fanula, was uh, awakened to the pyramid of power when listening to the London, London even real interview with uh, David. Thank the Lord I've been researching ever since, says Fanula, who says the Telegram is a great place for finding friends. Thanks, Fanula. There is a Richie Allen Telegram thing, but I, I don't use it. And the only reason I don't use it is I don't have any time. I just don't. It gets in the way that. That's a problem, not having any time. I would be better served, I think, browsing some of these things from time to time because I would pick up, I suppose, interviewees along the way. But it's very difficult when you're a one-man band. Jim says, my brother's partner got thrown out of an NHS walk-in centre a few weeks ago because she had the wrong type of mask on. Crazy, says Jim, but it is true. Emma got on to say to Jim, happy to my cancer patients. It happened to my cancer patients when attending a consultant's appointment, says Emma. Imagine, you can't come in. You've got the wrong mask on. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Patricia says, most people don't get the jab for health reasons, just like people being forced to wear masks isn't for health reasons. Actually, nothing about this has been about health since the beginning. Lucy says, it's anti-health. Colin says it's a deep population agenda. That's what it is. Uh, Many people agree with that. Nelly says on the topic of people who say they don't know anyone who has died from COVID, I do speak to quite a few who say a family member or a neighbour or whatever had died from COVID. But, says Nelly, they have no idea that the death certificate is fudged. And how do you tell these people that? I've said it to some and all I get is a blank response, says Nelly. Thanks for the comments, Nelly. And Daz is listening to the programme in Dewsbury in West Yorkshire and uh, listens to the show every week. Thank you uh, for that, Daz. RichieAllen.co.uk is the place to leave me a comment. Please leave me a comment. I like reading your comments. Shall we get Tony Gosling back on the Richie Allen Show? It'll be the final time this Christmas. Tony is a recurrent guest, of course. He comes on with us regularly to run down the big news stories of the day. He is the presenter of the politics show out of Bristol. Uh, one time he did that for BCFM. In fact, they call it not the BCFM politics show these days. There's a bit of messing going on with my system here. Hang on, hang on, hang on. It happened again at the beginning of the programme when I was trying to call Gaz. Yeah, I'll just give Tony a message there. We'll get him back on. And in the meantime, in the meantime, I'll read more of your comments. Will I? Will I? Shall I do that? Okay, let's read more of your comments. Keep them coming in, as I said, richieallen.co.uk. Alice says everything 
is revealed, nothing is concealed, uh, says Alice. You just need to know where to look. The plans they have between now and 2030 to reduce population, those plans are insane. 500 million total population is their target, meaning about 6.5 billion or 7 billion would have to go. Except lights out for extended period, a few months, including the internet. They have many tricks up their sleeve. That's Alice there, Alice Cooper. Robbie, thank you for that. Okay, I'm having a bit of a, an issue connecting to Tony, he, who says he called me, but I didn't, I didn't get him. Let's see, can we... See, ordinarily now I would just play a tune, but I don't want to play a tune. So I'm just going to wing it. Um, there is a connectivity problem here. There's a connectivity problem here. I might just have to bloody bite the bullet and play a tune in any case. Ah, uh, there he is. I think there he is. There he is. Ah, there you are, Tony Gosling. At least he should be there. Are you there, Tony? Welcome to the programme. No, he's not. He's there, but he's not there. I don't know what's going on. I think we're going to have to do this the old-fashioned way and uh, do it on the, the the old dog and bone, don't you know? Okay, I've got to take a tune then. Hopefully I'll get this sorted. And we will have Tony Gosling live from Bristol in a couple of minutes. Time forgive the choice of song. I didn't have time to pick one out. I didn't have any time. So it's got to be ACDC, I'm afraid. Might be a bit early for that, but anyway, we'll, we'll just roll with it. Yeah, 16 and a half minutes past 6 o'clock. Thunderstruck ACDC there. They played a gig at Buenos Aires some years ago. If you get a chance, watch it on YouTube. Watch the gig on YouTube. Watch that version of Thunderstruck on YouTube at some massive soccer stadium in Buenos Aires. It's quite amazing. Tony Gosling, welcome back. Richie Allen, thank you for asking me once again. What the hell is wrong with your connectivity down there in Bristol? It's almost it's like... nothing wrong with it. Go on. Yeah, it's Skype. It's just Skype. Yeah, Skype I know is, the way it is. Uh, messing, messing with my Android, if that makes any sense. It certainly does, sadly. It messes with my Android as well, despite me telling it not to. Always brilliant to have you on. Julian, Julian Assange, uh, he revealed in, in 2017, Vault 7, that uh, there are a whole load of tools out there, and he published the manuals to them where you can go into Android from anywhere and just play with it. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, so when the phone is connected up to the data or up to the Wi-Fi, you can just go in and play with people's phones via the Android operating system. And Assange proved that. It's that easy. You have to buy the product, yeah. which is a, you know, a hacking tool. Uh, but the Israelis, the Americans and the Brits have all got these, these, these things. They can do it. And, of course, big commercial um, spying companies. Speaking of Julian Assange, is it now inevitable that he's going to be extradited to the United States? Well, call me cynical, but I think there's an element of this which is attempting to drag it out to give lawyers more and more and more money. And uh, when you see a case that's dragging on like this is, you do, I think, have to wonder, well, how much money is being spent on legal fees here? And, I mean, it's like the old Charles Dickens grad grind versus grad grind. The long it, longer it drags on for, the more lawyers make more money, don't they? Yes, but, yes, but, the fact is the judges okay the extradition. And, and yeah, I, it's, it's, it's going to the Supreme Court almost certainly. I've just seen the yeah. letter from the, the B- 
Burn, is it Burnbeck Solicitors or someone? Yeah, it will um, go to the Supreme is, Court, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, the Supreme Court, with its great big all-seeing eye sitting in the middle of the court, if you look at it from above, uh, is, of course, a copy of the U.S. system. And so most of those people, if not all of them, will be, uh, you know, let's just say as it is, New World Order plants, operatives, who have, you know, made their way up through the legal profession by being, giving credible excuses to do the wrong thing in the justice system. I have a theory. Um, you won't like it, but I think I've I've shared this with you before. I don't believe the Julian Assange story. I don't believe the WikiLeaks story. I never have done. Something about it didn't sit right with me. And I did a very hostile interview some years ago with Assange's number two, or he was Assange's number two. Kristen Rasnam was the guy's name, or is the guy's name. And I, I basically got stuck into him and suggested that really WikiLeaks never released any information that ever did any harm to any government. And I believe... Well, that's just... Well, uh, just, just before you come back in, I believe... I have no evidence to support this. I have to put my hands up. I believe that what is happening to Julian Assange now is very real and it's very wrong. But I also believe that Julian Assange was some sort of agent, was some sort of, was some sort of intelligence agent. I really do believe that. I've no time for Assange or Snowden or any of these people. Because ultimately the information well, you know, they released... Mean, do you know what he and his father were doing when, when he was a teenager? What, you can enlighten me. Well, over in Australia, what they were doing is they were blowing the lid on the nuclear testing that's been going on in Woomera and places like that. And uh, they were, you know, basically anti-nuclear weapons campaigners. I mean, he's he was brought up with all this stuff. And I think he... Used, he, he realised he had these uh, computer skills. He was a bit of a geek, you know. And actually, uh, they have released plenty of stuff which has been extremely harmful, which is why The Guardian, The New York Times, uh, the, the, the Spiegel, and these other newspapers have slowly been, over the last six, ten years or so, turned away from any kind of doing this kind of expose investigative journalism stuff, which they did ten years ago with Julian. And uh, they've been infiltrated. They've been basically closed down. Any major mass media newspaper that uh, that exposed the stuff that Julian was exposing, or, or you know, copied it and used it, has been pretty much decimated and turned into some kind of propaganda rag. Like the Guardian, there's very little. I mean, Richard Norton Taylor, who was their security correspondent for years, brilliant writer, uh, he was even hoofed out. So the, 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 the major, I think I mentioned that Vault 7 in 2017. Yeah. That was majorly embarrassing. I mean, they, uh, WikiLeaks showed that they had planned, the CIA, to hack into and force to crash not only aircraft and cars, but also locomotives, right? So talking about, a, 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 you know, one of these modern locos in front of a train. So they could just take it over and ram it into another train if they wanted to and make it look like an accident in order to assassinate people or to do whatever it is they wanted to do. This is majorly embarrassing uh, expose of crime intent from the security services. It doesn't surprise me that we've had this, uh, isn't it, covert sources bill passed in the House of Commons uh, in order to now excuse all these security services and everybody else for committing crime. They're now allowed to commit any crime they want with impunity, pretty much. I mean, it's, there are one or two small checks, but now uh, the security services, MI5, MI6, GCHQ, the rest of them, and plus, you know, various other 
government bodies can now commit crimes with impunity. So I, what I'm saying is I think they have damaged the, the reputation of these organisations like MI6 massively and the CIA. But in the eyes and, of who, T? Hang on a second, hang on. In the eyes of who? But most people, I think, who have ever read a newspaper in their lives would imagine that the intelligence agencies of countries, regardless of which countries they are, but they do unspeakable things. That's what they've always done. And when uh, that Vault 7 stuff, that didn't I didn't bat an eyelid when I read that. That's the point, you see, with me. Now, look, I'm prepared to be wrong. I'm putting my hands up here. I have no evidence to support what I'm saying. But I don't think anything released by these organisations, particularly this surveillance stuff and Snowden, this was nothing that people didn't know or didn't suspect. Well, look, well, That's, look it was, though, you see. What it did is it, it provided the hard evidence of what we had suspected for a long, long time. So that is actually a majorly important, I think. You know, for example, manuals of all these clever little nasty bits of software that can do this and that. Uh, you know, these are this is clear and clear evidence that the speculation that we, you know, people like you and I have been doing for years about, oh, we can't trust these people. There it all is laid out. Now, you know, I I, I think he's done an absolutely brilliant job with that. And of course, it's not just about Julian. It's about you know anybody that's been associated with WikiLeaks and. Uh, and getting getting interesting. I mean, you know, the, the main the way they broke. Sorry, the way. Sorry to go on about this, but the, no, do the do. Big story was the Iraq War story, where they showed the Americans machine gunning those Reuters camera people. This is this is terrible for the Americans' reputation, and this is the last thing they want spread all over the Western press, Richie. But do you think they cared, the Americans? They just they just carried on yes, doing it. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because they're desperate to, to, you know, to save their own reputation. These intelligence services are constantly going to the politicians, etc., begging for more money and more money. That's the sort of thing that will make most uh, ordinary citizens, anyone with influence in the United States, will say, hang on, what are you going to do with this money? Are you going to use it to murder more journalists? Yeah. Look, I, I respect your argument. I'm going to leave, on, on this subject, I'll leave you with this question. And I've put this to very close friends of Julian Assange, people I've had on the programme over the years, people like Ray McGovern and, and others have been on with me. Ray, yeah. of course, a former CIA yeah. officer. I know you know Ray. Here's my question. Where were the exposés of, for example, the, the round table groups, the Rockefeller Foundation groups, they were gaming. They were gaming these scamdemic situations. They were doing this years ago how to, you know, scare the bejesus out of people into taking vaccines and into being locked down. Where was WikiLeaks uh, on the international pedophile rings that we know exist and that we know very, very high profile people? I'll give you an example of that. I got, I think I got the only proper interview with Isaac Cappy, the actor. I had him on this programme five or so years ago and he told me that the, that the, the, the level of pedophilia, of child abuse in Hollywood circles, you're talking actors now, actresses, famous people, uh, absolutely staggering. This guy then was, I believe, was fake suicided, Isaac Happy, um, a year or just over a year after speaking on this programme. I, I, I wonder, where's this brilliant WikiLeaks? Where, where, where's Anonymous? Where are all these groups on outing these pedophiles? Well, good question. And the thing is that no media organisation whether it be CBS, the BBC, or you or I, uh, it, it knows everything. And, and, you know, so they can only work with what they are handed by whistleblowers. And this is the point. You know, there is, they've done, 
I think, tremendous job on, you know, various, uh, the, the Kissinger files. I, I spent two or three days going through this stuff, and, and I, I could have spent weeks and weeks. But the, all the communications from by Henry Kissinger over the years, which they, they published, it must have been about 2015, were absolutely riveting. History, rewriting certain bits of history, and also, of course, doing the same as I said before, which is nailing hard evidence of things that people had suspected for years. So they can't do everything. N nobody can. You can't. I can't. Uh, but I think they did a pretty good job in, in giving the U.S. reputation a bloody nose right around the world. And particularly, importantly, on the, in the mainstream press in the West. So, you know, they, they've uh, really, I think, messed up the American plans uh, to try and make out that they're any better than China, really. Well, you've had the last word on it. Cheers, Steve. Here's a fascinating... <laughs> no, you have. No, 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 I have to be fair. I get to uh, to, 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 to gob off, don't I? Uh, plenty of times on this programme. No, that's the final word on that. The This is massive story. You're following this. I think this is massive anyway. What does it mean to be jabbed in the UK? Uh, the miscategorization of people's vaccine status. This is absolutely amazing. This this came up on this programme a couple of weeks back. I, again, I think I mentioned this to you today. Somebody was on talk radio and they said that, oh, they're not counting people who've had one jab as being jabbed, even though they, they've had a jab. And that has serious implications for how they are reporting on statistics around hospitalizations. You're all over this, Tony. This is a massive story. What's going on? Well, uh, it's really this report uh, up on ResearchGate from the uh, from Professor Norman Fenton. Uh, uh, now, I mean, the thing with ResearchGate, a lot of people, and I've shared this story with some of the mainstream and the report with some of the mainstream journalists I know, and they always come back to me and say, well, has it been peer-reviewed? Now, hang on a minute, you know. How can you peer-review something when as soon as you submit it, there are a whole load of people that pour all over it, share it with the other side, and the other side's lawyers are straight on to you to shut you down. So the fact that it hasn't been peer-reviewed, to me, is, you know, is, doesn't really mean much at all. Uh, the fact of the matter is we've now got an extension from two weeks to four weeks beginning, which is the amount of time after which you've had one of these COVID jabs, and I won't call them vaccines because I don't think they are vaccines, uh, the, the, the two, from two to four weeks, the amount of time uh, that you have to wait until you're officially classed as vaccinated. Now, what that's done is it's allowed many of the people that have been dying quite quickly after having a vaccine to be miscategorized and unvaccinated. And what Fenton and his team in uh, the uh, thing is, it's St. Mary's College in London have done, is they've done a whole graph of the, not of the numbers, of the rates and the percentages of people unvaccinated and vaccinated who've been dying. And it's pretty shocking to see. We're now in December uh, 2021 at the point where there are roughly double the number of people dying of all causes, by the way, uh, who have been vaccinated than haven't been vaccinated. Now, that should be headline news, and it should really cause for a pause in the vaccination rollout. But of course, as we know, uh, there is not really... A, it's the wrong story, Richie. That's effectively what yeah. we're talking about here. The wrong story. Let's just um, repeat what Tony just said there. He, he sent me this today. 
This is Norman Fenton, Claire Craig, who has been on TV quite a bit, Martin Neal and Joel Smalley, Queen's College. Latest statistics on England mortality data suggests systematic miscategorization of vaccine status and uncertain effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccination. And the gist of this, as Tony Gosling just told you, that the twice as many vaccinated people, twice as many are dying, as Tony said, admittedly, of all causes, then unvaccinated people are dying. Twice as many jabbed people are dying in the country than unjabbed people. That's beyond staggering. As you said, it should be headline news. These are not quacks. These are not conspiracy theorists. These are academics from Queen's, Queen Mary University in London. Yeah, let me just stress, Richie, that the guy could be wrong. You might be wrong. Be wrong. Yeah. yeah, but the point is, we need to know that this is a, a you know an official academic opinion of a mathematician, a statistician that is you know one of the best qualified people in the country to say this. But what's happened is got absolutely nowhere. And as as I said, when I've sent it to journalists I know in the mainstream, I'm just getting a simple, oh well, it hasn't been peer reviewed. You know, which to me, it shows you exactly how it works, which is where credible evidence is being just suppressed, simply suppressed by the system. We've got a system failure in our mass media. It's not allowing us to interrogate anything which is anti-vaccine uh, and suggests that the jabs might be harmful. Now, you know, this to me proves uh, that what we've got is we've got a system which is basically marketing vaccines, marketing jabs. And Boris on the telly last night looked absolutely terrible, didn't he? As he was giving his uh, address, telling everyone they've got to have a booster. Oh, Omicron is dangerous. Well, we know Omicron is not dangerous, actually. It is, it, it, we know from South Africa that it's a mild version of the disease. It is, some have called a gift from God, because if you catch it, you're almost, uh, almost 100% not to die of it, but it will give you a whole load of antibodies and it will be like having the booster instead and or having a jab. So you will then be immune. So look, we've got, uh, I think, a completely dysfunctional mass media that all it can do is act like a billboard for Pfizer and Moderna. Yeah, it's, it's basically taking whatever Boris Johnson or Chris Whitty or Patrick Valance or Jonathan Van Tam says and it's rewriting it for for broadcast, basically, and then just repeating it. And, and, and it's getting worse than that because where you have national phone-in shows where people are ringing up and they've got a bit of an inkling that something is very wrong and they're saying something along the lines of what you said, but obviously not as eloquently as you, but they're saying, look, there's something wrong here. They are being ridiculed and humiliated and thrown off of phone-in shows and basically the audience is being gaslighted. I mean, this is well, astonishing. I, don't know. I mean, I think actually talk radio has done a pretty good job uh, in uh, allowing, I think, you know, this is basically ordinary people out there who are just feeling like, well, they've gone along with this so far and now they feel like they've been conned. And, you know, of course, it, the, the main thing is you, can't, you cannot de-inject this stuff. If you change your mind and you look, you're losing confidence in Pfizer, and let's face it, Pfizer, for example, is a criminal organization it's a criminal company it's been proved criminal in africa and elsewhere it's the most heavily fined 
company in the whole of the pharmaceutical sector ever uh, by about two or three times more than any other firm. And they have proven that they put large quantities of their budget for each uh, uh, vaccine that they market into bribing officials and uh, attempting to bamboozle the judicial system if it looks like they may be being sued. They won't go into countries where people can sue them if they get injured or family members die after taking their Pfizer stuff. Uh, and so, I mean, I, my question is, why is it that, that the mass media in this part of the world is so in their thrall? I suppose the answer is that you've got a, quite a lot of people in those editorial positions who have got a vested interest of some kind, revolving door. Certainly, that's the case in the government advisory services who seem to be turning from advisory services into the government itself telling the government what to do rather than advising them. Why, in, in your opinion, then, I mean, this might be basic stuff now. What I'm going to ask you might be very rudimentary, right? Why is Boris Johnson and Michael Gove and others, you know, so-called, so-called um, small nation uh, conservatives, why are they going along with it? Well, why not just say uh, I mean, no? you know, Politics is a bit of a stinky game, isn't it? These people are just looking at their political careers. And people like Priti Patel, I think she's probably one of the worst in the cabinet. Uh, all they do is they say what they are told to say in the knowledge that it will uh, they'll be promoted. I've just been uh, looking over the last week. I came to London last week to look at um, something from history, which was the massacre of 30,000 Cossacks as the British army handed them over to... Stalin at the end of the Second World War, they were prisoners of war in Austria. And almost all of them, there was, there was literally only a handful of these 30,000 Cossacks left within a couple of years. They were sent to the gulags. A lot of them were executed. Uh, and the politician that ordered that was a guy called Harold Macmillan. Well, isn't it funny that uh, a decade or so after that, Harold Macmillan was rewarded by may, being made leader of the Conservative Party and Prime Minister of Britain? So I think that is the sort of person that we're dealing with. These these people who will literally sell their souls for their political careers, Richie. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's part of it. I think I think Jeffrey Epstein has a lot to do with this, do you? I don't mean necessarily with this, with COVID, with Johnson. And there are more than, or there were more than one Jeffrey Epstein. I've believed that ever since I had my own, I don't want to say that bloody A word, so I won't say it, but since I had my own epiphany, I've believed it, that they keep these people in check by compromising them sexually or yeah. or, or with them. Um, no, definitely. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, but I mean, that was, that was I think, a, a Mossad operation, the Epstein and Maxwell operation. And uh, I, I'm, I, just going back to the Kennedy assassination, I, there's a guy called H.L. Uh, Hunt, who was a big uh, oil baron. And it was at his house in Dallas where they had the meeting. Uh, with Edgar uh, Hoover uh, and Edgar Johnson. Uh, This is the meeting just the night before Kennedy was assassinated. And you know what? Inside his house was a special little room, exactly like Jeffrey Epstein's house in New York, uh, where there was a a whole load of recording equipment and a little control room to record everything that happened in every single room. So these were basically places where people could be brought and then recorded and that evidence then used to blackmail them. 
in the future. And it's as simple as that. I think that's exactly what Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein were up to. And of course, once somebody is caught by their system, they may not even know it, of course, uh, that then, then they can be promoted into positions of power uh, with uh, the Epstein types and the intelligence people knowing that they can be easily bribed in the future. So they propel them into positions of power only to surprise them, uh, you know, yeah. maybe in five, six, seven, eight years' time with that evidence and say, well, you know, you better sign on the dotted line or this uh, little piece of footage is going to be on the Daily Mail website tomorrow. Fantastic, Tony. And I wonder how many conservative voters, people who have voted conservative their entire lives, I wonder how many of them are gobsmacked absolutely confused. Why is Boris Johnson, the guy who wrote for the Telegraph for years, who railed against the introduction of ID cards, why is Johnson doing this? You've given the answer, I believe. Did you see what Hugh Grant tweeted to Johnson today, the actor Hugh Grant? Did you see it? No. Let me read it out. It's startling stuff, this. Hugh Grant tweeted, You will not fuck with my children's future. You will not destroy the freedoms my grandfather fought two world wars to defend. Fuck off, you over-promoted rubber bath toy. Britain is revolted by you and your little gang of masturbatory prefects. Tell us what you really think, Hugh. Stone silence from Tony Gosling. Well, I mean, yes. I think, I mean, Hugh Grant is, you know, can be really quite good. Uh, we don't like you, though. He, we don't like you because of what he would do to the press if he was given his way. So we don't. Well, that's right. He's, yeah, he's an extremely iffy character and he's, yeah, he likes, uh, seems like he likes censorship a little bit. Yeah. Hugh wants to bang as many hookers as he feels like without the press ever printing a word of it. <laughs> That's about the size of it. That being said, he had a lot of good points. I, any, everybody in the country, no matter what your status is, no matter how much money you have, is entitled not to have your phone hacked by some news of the world arsehole. I think you'd agree with that, T. No, of course, absolutely. Although I think, you know, if someone is... I mean, this is the way we, we always used to work. I mean, I'm talking about 1980s BBC here, is that if you, if you could, were suspicious about somebody and you thought that you were going to have to do some sort of a sting on them, and, of course, the journalistic sting is a very important role, uh, and, and people have been doing this. I mean, Heiko Koo, for example, in London, from Speaker's Corner, he managed to sneak his way in and film inside the headquarters of Pfizer, for example, brilliant. You know, we should we should be getting the BBC and ITV doing this, but no. Heiko, you know, the guy from Speaker's Corner, who's a friend of Piers Corbyn, had to do it. Uh, we also had Al Jazeera come over to the UK uh, about five years ago and do that program called the Lobby about the Israel Lobby, secretly recording uh, the political attaché at the Israeli Embassy talking about a million uh, pound slush fund to bribe the Labour Party to do what the Israelis wanted, and this sort of thing, getting rid of Alan Duncan uh, from uh, the Ministry of Defence, who was a minister, this kind of thing. So these things are really important. But what we used to have to do was you, you had to prove that there was evidence that the person was breaking the law in some way, uh, and you, you had to take that evidence to your editor. It would then go up the editorial chain, and they say, well, actually, this is a really important story. Usually some correspondent or other in news would have a look at it. And they might be the person then to work with you on the story. And it had to get it had to get editorial approval, as, for example, the panorama with Diana had to get. Yeah. 
and uh, back in the 1990s and uh, and then you could go and do it but that's the way you've got to do it you've got to show that you've got evidence that some powerful person of some sort who deserves to be investigated not some woman who's you know i don't know staying with her 10 kids in a in a in a flat uh, in claiming asylum or something you know someone who's got uh, who's got clout weight and power or a celebrity or whatever uh, and then you you had to just basically cross your fingers and hope that you got approval to do that operation, which would, you know, and it was an operation because you had to, you know, fit yourself up with a hidden camera, hidden microphone or whatever. The stuff that Roger Cook used to do back in the 1990s. So it is feasible to do it. It's just nobody is doing it anymore. Absolutely nobody, as far as I can see, uh, other than this ridiculous. I mean, have you seen this thing with Boris Johnson and the quiz? He's supposed to be, you know, and Starmer saying, isn't it terrible what he's done is breaking the law. What a load of rubbish. He's on Zoom, for God's sake. He's on Zoom, you yeah. Know, how can he, you know, this is, this is making a mountain out of a molehill, and we're getting a lot of this. The idea is someone has put the message out there, get Boris, get Boris. And what worries me, Richie, is that Rishi Sunak is sitting there, the agent of Goldman Sachs and the City of London, rubbing his hands, saying, well, of course, it will be me that takes him. over if Boris is it shoved will, out of the it way. It will be him. It's inevitable it will be him. Failing that, it could be a general election sometime late next year. Forget the Fixed Parliaments Act. Because of everything that's gone on, because of COVID and everything else, it's not completely out of the question that there might well, be an election. It's very unlikely. It's really unlikely. The Tories, the Tories are very unlikely to risk that because they've got such a whacking great majority at the moment. They're going to play that card for all they can, I think. It may well be, though, that Boris is replaced and uh, Sunak is in a pretty good place. And that just means we're going to get a technocrat in charge. Uh, you know, and but anyway, it may be that Boris can hang on there a bit longer. We'll see. We are, we are going to say it's exactly 15 and a half minutes to the top of the air. You're listening to the great Tony Gosling, friend of ours, all the way from Bristol. The politics show, not the BCFM politics show, on Fridays at five o'clock is a must listen. It really is. Do you know, you've, the, your listeners are incredible. Um, they, they, they come on, uh, they go all over social media. They go on websites like my own website, always, every Friday, to put links out to say, look, uh, Tony's going live. You've got an incredible loyal listenership. Do you know that? Incredibly loyal listenership. I hope you appreciate them, T. Well, of course I do. And I mean, you know what? You know what? Basically, I, I've done this as a journalist, I think, is to pick up on a tradition that I was brought up with uh, in, uh, you know, watching in the 1970s and 80s myself as a young man, uh, as, even as a teenager, you know, seeing uh, it, uh, journalists like Duncan Campbell doing brilliant bits of insightful television, which you can almost hear the airwaves crackling as it's going out. He did the uh, Secret Society series, uh, which was, of course, a bit of a hint at the Freemasons, right? Which was a whole series back in the, in the, in the 80s, looking at the way that, uh, that the government is pulling the wool over people's eyes and the Ministry of Defence were. So, for example, he did, he did a brilliant programme about the uh, Americans taking over Britain, basically, in a, in a case of war. So basically the command structure of the country in wartime would be a U.S. command structure completely, basically, controlling the British military. So, you know, they, they, it suddenly makes the, British, the American presence in Britain in places like Menwith Hill, uh, you know, over in um, Suffolk at the uh, Mildon Hall and places like that, Fairford here in Gloucestershire, su- much more sinister. So it's not they're here as our guests, they're here as our masters. 
And of course, this also, I mean, de Gaulle in France kicked the Americans out after World War Two. And I sometimes wish someone had had the uh, wherewithal to do that to the Brits as well, in, in, you know, in Britain. But but those are the sorts of investigations that were done. Uh, and, you know, that was it was uh, it was a different world because we're not really seeing this level of investigative journalism anymore. So I try and continue to do that every week, Richie. I try and find something that people di- re- genuinely didn't know about, you know, and haven't found out about. So I think that's what I what I try and do because I mean most of what I see in the mainstream is just recycling the same old nonsense. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, you do it brilliantly, D. You, you do it brilliantly. You've been doing it for years, mate. I want I want to ask you in the five minutes that we have left. Then this is it's inevitable now, isn't it? That what's happening is all about the vaccine passports and the vaccines uh, themselves. No stone will be left unturned by. Uh, Johnson, and, and we, we've already said this isn't Johnson's agenda. It's somebody else's agenda. He's just overseeing it or managing it. But they'll stop at nothing um, in their efforts to make sure that everybody eventually succumbs well, to okay, these jabs. So there is a real, there's a real struggle going on, OK? Look at the countries and look at the places, the jurisdictions, where uh, the agenda is worst, right? I, I mean, I listen into RTE quite a bit, and I can see, obviously, the situation in Ireland is you've got a, a far more arrogant uh, um, set. I mean, you know, it, amazing that they could be more arrogant than witty and balanced and the rest. But they are in Ireland extremely arrogant. They seem to be, you know, if you have a look at what's going on in places like Austria, Germany, Ireland, uh, France, too, to a lesser extent, what you can see happening is exactly what you've got in Brussels at the European Union, which is a whole bunch of civil servants, which is what the European Commission are, uh, which is overseen by Ursula von der Leyen and her chums in the pharmaceutical industry, uh, overseeing the politicians. So they are actually in the driving seat. The politicians are in the back seat. So the elected MEPs can bloviate as much as they want, you know, but they can't actually change anything. So that's what I think we've seen as a result of the United States of Europe and the EU is that these countries are now got have now got appointed civil servants in charge and they're just having to do what this is. This is an administration which is being run from somewhere else, not from the by the people. And luckily, we as Brits, however tough it gets here, we've managed to get out from that system quite early on. You notice the polls, by the way, are, are doing the they, they have to suffer these. Uh, these now, uh, I think, isn't it a thousand, no, a million euros a month fines because they refuse to have their judges appointed from Brussels. That's right. Well, look, this is uh, this is what, what this is really all about. You, you're moving into a totalitarian super state, very much like the United States of America run from Washington. The United States of Europe is being run from Brussels. And, and the ordinary people just don't get a look in. And I've been looking at all this, I mean, from right the way back to 1793, when uh, that John Robeson, who was the secretary of the Royal Society in Edinburgh and the inventor of, by the way, of the uh, siren, you know, the, the steam powered siren, which would make a terrible wailing sound as a as a warning. Uh, he put out this book, Proofs of a Conspiracy Against All Religions and Governments, which was the Masonic plan to take over Europe. That was back in the 1790s. And he wrote that as a result of what had been going on in the French Revolution. He was a Freemason himself. 
and he was absolutely disgusted by what these new Illuminati-type masons were doing to the craft. And the craft was, at that time, a, a brilliant idea, really, which was a speakeasy where you could go and say what you wanted without fear of being put in prison. Uh, and, and a lot of this stuff is in my book, which I did, published as a paperback earlier this year, uh, which is called The Siege of Heaven Reader, which has got extracts from the last 350 years, right the way back to the English Civil War and Cromwell, as to secret government behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, I think that is a pretty good way. If people haven't seen the way that uh, the secret societies and vested interests work behind the scenes to control our destinies, that's a pretty good way into the topic. And there's, there'll be something in there for everyone, I think, Richie, right the way up to all the stuff to do with the Kennedy assassination, uh, Diana, uh, Winston Churchill working with Oswald Mosley, you know, the leader of the yeah, fascists yeah. through the Second World War. And so there's plenty of stuff in there for people to get their teeth into. If they think that I'm just making this up, uh, no. Well, there it does. a lot of hard evidence. And I'm doing a kind of WikiLeaks, really, but I'm doing it in a book form. In a book but form, But I've yeah. got the hard evidence from the history of literature rather than them getting leaks, specific leaks. Well, for those who struggle to, to compute that agendas can be rolled out over several centuries, because some people do struggle to take that on board. I did for years. I totally understand that. You know, I used to say, I used to ask my guests, including you, why would you, you know, take part in an agenda that you won't see come to fruition for centuries? And truth speaking to people like you and others, that I began to understand that, that these are very long games these elites are playing. Yeah. And uh, you do that brilliantly yeah. in the book. But, but, but look, the funny thing is that the people who write these plans, people like Albert Pike, you know, the uh, grandmaster of the Scottish right in the United States in the 1800s, they don't have to carry them out. They're, le <laughs> they're leaving it to someone else and saying, well, here's the plan. Uh, by the way, I'm dead now, uh, but it's up to you to make it happen. Carry on. And of course, this is not necessary. I mean, he's basically abrogated all responsibility. And it seems to me obvious the end game here is to discredit all the monotheistic faith, the, you know, and including Hinduism, by the way, uh, using fake versions, fascist versions of these faiths in order to create a massive conflagration between the Zionists and Iran in the Middle East and then try and drag all the superpowers into that. And, you know, it's for some reason, uh, you know, I look at the, what's been going on in the Middle East for the last 20 years or so, you know, ever since the first Gulf War in 1990, uh, and scratch my head, what the hell are they up to? Well, of course, they're trying to create uh, the next world war. And I think it's really that simple. And I've got information about that in the Siege of Heaven Reader too, if people are interested about this, you know, this long-term plan to create another world war. And I think for some people, and me, me as well, looking at, you know, you say, well, you know, what, what, what is behind this? What, what possible motive could there be? And so you then dismiss it. But actually, there is, I think, a long-term motive involved in a lot of these diabolical plans. T, we're going to leave it there for today. It's not going to be... Um, the next time we speak will be in January, please God, hopefully. So let me just say thanks for coming on. You you come on more than anybody else. I, you're, you're my recurring guest. I love having you on to uh, run down the news. No, I'm not, I mean what I say. And that's why I invite you on so often. So I'll take this opportunity to, to say thanks very much for doing that. You've never asked for anything in return. It's always brilliant. You're always excellently briefed, mate. And uh, just want to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas. 
Well, thanks very much, Richie. If anyone thinks they can get my book reviewed somewhere, I've been trying to get the books, well, two books, which is the other one is looking at the links between the Nazis uh, and the uh, Allies at the end of the Second World War and the Battle of Arnhem. That was always a big mystery. Not anymore. Uh, this book, The Traitors of Arnhem, which I published at the same time, it also looks at the very close relationship between Hitler's private secretary, Martin Bormann, and Churchill's private secretary, Major Desmond Morton. And uh, right at the very end of the war, everything seems to me was being fixed up. You know, they wanted all those, uh, not all the Nazi loot. They wanted all the Nazi technology, much of which was atomic technology they needed to the, for the plutonium bomb, etc. And, uh, and of course, then they, these Nazis needed uh, safe passage after the war. So there were all sorts of deals going on, really, from around about August 1944, the Red House meeting in Strasbourg onwards. Uh, and it seems to me that that's what we're having to deal with now. You know, the results of those results of deals that. between, you know, the, the Nazis and the Allies at the end of the Second World where, War. Where can people buy the books, T? 30 seconds before oh, we've got to wrap uh, up again. Okay, yeah. Well, if you go to Bilderberg.org, uh, then you'll find links. But it's they're both on eBay. Um, that's the only way I could find it. Amazon didn't seem to want to uh, uh, publish uh, to, to sell them. Surprise, um, surprise. But, but Bilderberg.org is the best place to go. And you can get e-books as well. There's even a free download. If people have got no money, uh, you can get a free... It's not... The pictures are pretty pixelated, but you can still read the stuff. I would never put stuff out. Um, it's just the idea, really, is that sometimes it's nice to have actual physical paperback An actual book. real book, yeah. Folks, don't uh, download it for free. Buy the books. Go to Bilderberg.org. <laughs> I've got the two of them here. I'm looking at them on my shelf here in the studio. T, Merry Christmas, as I said already. And uh, Happy New Year. I'll send you a text over the Christmas. And I look forward to speaking yeah, again in January. I, I, I just say one, one positive thing about all this is I think, you know, the uh, the Tories seem to me to be slightly in the, in the situation where they may be manoeuvring to get rid of the pharmaceutical faction which has been been influencing the top of the party. So we may see something a bit positive next year with Boris out of the way and somebody a little bit more sensible in, in charge. Or it may just be, uh, you know, that Boris is, you know, he has his, his, uh, his hands uh, sort of twisted behind his back and he's, and he's forced to change course a bit. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but we I are won't very hold lucky my breath. that we're not, part of this, we're not part of this United States of Europe. Otherwise, we'd be in a much deeper doo-doo. At the moment, no doubt. Cheers, T. Thanks for that. Tony Gosling, folks. Uh, Thisweek.org.uk. Go to Bilderberg.org and listen to not the BCFM politics show, which is live every Friday at five o'clock from Bristol. Uh, as I said, to listen to that, go to thisweek.org.uk. But it's always shared. The link is always shared on the comment sec section of my own website, richieallen.co.uk, on Fridays. Tony's listeners, they are legion. Uh, they put the link out so you can listen to it. It's always brilliant, as he said earlier on, information that you may, m much of the time, you, you've never come across before. That's uh, Tony Gosling. On Monday's Richie Allen Show, live from BBG Towers here in Salford. Thanks so much to Gareth Ike. And to Tony Gosling, thank you for listening. We'll do it again tomorrow, Tuesday at 5 o'clock UK time. Take care of yourselves and one another. From your BBG, Arriva Dirty.